Hello, I'm Erica LaCasse, and this is the Messy Messianic Mama Podcast. Today we'll be talking about the stages of grief. Stick around for some hope healing and maybe even some laughs. Welcome once again to another Messy Messianic Mama Podcast. This week's tour portion is Behar and Bekutai, which you can find in Leviticus chapter 25, 1 to chapter 26, verse 2, and then Leviticus chapter 26, verse 3, to chapter 27, verse 34. The half proportion is Jeremiah 32, verse 6 to 27, and Jeremiah 16, verses 19 to chapter 17, verse 14. The Brit Hadashah is Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 21, and Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. This particular week, we're going to be talking about the stages of grief. I honestly wasn't sure what I was going to title this particular episode. I know I say that a lot, but it's true. I'm really not great at titling these. Um, I'm just, my, my vein of creativity is not in this area, but I try the best that I can, right? So this particular week has been overwhelmingly trying and stressful and overwhelming to say the least. Now, a lot of times when you talk to people about the stages of grief, you automatically think that that person may have lost a loved one close to them, which is very common, unfortunately, because we all do die, right? Eventually. However, there are a lot of different reasons to have uh, to go through the different stages of grief. Now, this was a construct that was created by some psychologists in, I don't know, the 1950s or something. And some may find it to be true. Honestly, I've gone through this myself, and I do find that it's pretty accurate when it comes to at least losing a loved one. You have a lot of things going on when you're grieving. Now, to kind of give you some context on to why I want to even talk about this particular subject, I can't remember if I told you or not, but two weeks ago, I actually, really back up even further than that, about a month ago, I have been struggling with an earache on my right ear, having some ear problems, which concerned my mother because my father actually had uh, some kind of cancer, and it started out with him having earaches, which concerned her because I haven't had earaches since I was a child, and this is the first one, so... Went in and was referred to an ear, nose, and throat doctor. Um, while I was there, I was like, you know what? While I'm here, I probably should mention this tiny little growth I have on my left ear. On the tip of my left ear. And it's also got this kind of little scab that never never seems to heal. And it's been like that for about four years. But you know, so you're thinking, really? You, you let it hang out for four years? It's like, honestly, with all my other health issues, it just didn't seem that important. So, anyways... The doctor two weeks ago uh, had me scheduled to go ahead and check out my ear, to take a biopsy of, of my ear, take care of that little growth. And this past Tuesday, it's kind of crazy. I don't know how things work for you guys or your thought process, but I actually was out with my husband and my son. My son needed some new soccer cleats for soccer. And we were at Academy Sports and I get a phone call and it's the ear, nose and throat doctor. And he says, 
hey, I'm just calling to let you know that we got the results back for your test. I'm thinking, okay, great. Like, you're calling me. That must mean that everything's great. No, he, he called to let me know that I have skin cancer. Now, evidently, I've been living in such a bubble because I've never had cancer of any kind before, but I was under the impression, watching too many movies, clearly, where they don't tell you this kind of thing over the phone. They call you in and they sit you down and say, oh, you have cancer. And evidently, I was misinformed. See, this is what happens when you watch too many movies. It rots your brain. But anyways, uh, so he told me that, you know, I had skin cancer and it was in the deep margins and it seemed to be the entire thing that they took a biopsy of had cancer in it. So obviously he wanted me to come back, which I was planning on doing anyways, the following Friday, which was this past Friday and see what was going on. And I was like, okay, cool. So from Tuesday to Friday, my husband and I are left thinking like, what kind of cancer is it? How bad is it? Is this a life and death sort of thing? Because as I'm sure most of you know, skin cancer is a huge and long spectrum. It's a wide spectrum. It literally could be like, oh, you just have a little bit of cancer here. Let me remove it and you're good. To like, oh, you have, you know, two weeks to live because it's spread everywhere else in your body. Like, you know, other cancers do. But because he didn't really specify any of that, we had no idea what to think. And so we had what my, I think my husband just calls my cancer scare last week. And... We kind of went through, at least I feel like I I went through at least a few of the stages of grief, simply because for those of you who have struggled with cancer, you you understand it, Um, or even with a debilitating disease or terminal illness, it doesn't have to be cancer, you understand, like, you know, you're not really sure where this is going and how you should feel, and as a believer, it's a whole nother level as well. Because you're also, you know, there are moments where you're like, all right, Lord, like, what what are you doing here? Like, what's going on? Why, why is this happening to me? And because I've struggled with my health for the past nine years, it's not like this was the first time I've had this question. But that's why I kind of want to talk about the different stages of grief, because I think I told my husband last week, I feel like there's three different options. There's only only three options when when you're told something about cancer or that you have cancer or you have a terminal illness. Basically, you can continue like just living the same way that you've been living and do nothing different and basically just pretend that you're fine. You can the second option is you can wallow in your diagnosis and be depressed and have self-pity and just Because, you know, you don't have any control over it and just, you know, basically give up on life. Or the third option is you can try to be as proactive as you possibly can, try to eat as healthy as you possibly can, get enough sleep as you possibly can, try to be as healthy as you possibly can and give it up to God and let him do the rest because that's all you can do. And so I was like, you know what, at this point, I'm just going to go with a third option. Um, I know that I'll have bouts of just being really sad and depressed because that's normal. But the reality is I don't have any control of the situation and me worrying about it is not going to solve the problem. I will tell you that when we did go in this past Friday, he actually was pretty confident. He was like, look, he's like, so the way that we deal with these kind of cancers is, you know, the deep margin was where the cancer was. The surrounding area was fine. 
So we're actually going to have to cut a pie-shaped wedge out of your ear. So I keep saying, I'm going to get in a dog fight. And my husband's like, that doesn't make any sense. You should really just say that you got in a fight with Mike Tyson. And everyone else will understand that. So there you go. Those are my two analogies of how I will look afterwards. However, they did say that they basically would try to connect those two pieces. So my ear is going to look smaller, which for those of you who know me, I really feel like they should do the same thing to my other ear just to make it even. Jokingly, I don't actually want them to do that. Um, however, um, that's my OCD kicking in because I need it to all to be, you know, synchronized and and looking, looking right. But anyways, um, you know, my husband and I, we had to have some serious conversations that we haven't had to have. You know, I'm, I'm 38 years old. He's 40. Um, we both feel like we're in the prime of our lives and we had to sit down and have some serious conversations. Now I will say that like our wills are already situated and, and good to go. We've already done that. And if you have not done that, I don't care how old you are. You should have a will in place in the inevitable, um, in the, the unfortunate incident of the, you having, you know, to be going with God, it's time to, to die because sometimes it comes unexpectedly. Sometimes it's, it's a long and drawn out. Sometimes it's very quick. And I think it's important to be able to leave your loved ones with some direction of what your wants and needs are, even if it's just you. Um, it's good to have that. That being said, you know, we had to have a conversation. We had to talk about, you know, I, I told him like, look, I don't want to do, you know, if this is a thing, like I'm not doing chemo or radiation. And my husband said, you'll do everything you can to stay on this planet. And I said, that's true, but not radiation and chemotherapy. So, you know, these are all the conversations we were having this past week because it was just, it's something that you have to address, you know, not talking about it is not going to make the problem go away. Right. It doesn't matter what situation in your life is. If you're not talking about it, it doesn't make that situation just disappear. It'll come back eventually. And, you know, even talking about like, okay, do we talk to the kids? Do we not talk to the kids? Do we talk to our congregation? Do we talk to our community? Do we talk to our, our friends and family about this? Like, who do we talk to about this? And basically we came to the conclusion, like, look, we're going to talk to like, we're going to talk to my mom and my dad and we're going to talk to our children because they're all teenagers. They have a right to know what's going on. I don't believe in keeping secrets from my children, especially life altering, uh, you know, situations. And then, you know, after our appointment on Friday, that's when we'll talk to our congregation because we don't want, um, I love my congregation. I love my family and friends, but I also did not want a flood of people calling me while I was still processing the, the diagnosis I was given. You know what I mean? Um, I, and I know they all mean well that they love me. It's just that I, I don't know that I would have handled that well. Um, honestly, I'm still processing it because the reality is, yes, they're going to cut this pie wedge shape. If that comes back and that's all got cancer in it too, that means they're going to have to cut more and more of my ear out. I did not realize that that's what they do for cancer. They just keep cutting you up until they hopefully get it all, which is insane. Um, I really feel like there should be some better way. If you know of a better way, let me know. That being said, I was looking up these stages of grief. Um, with scripture, scripture backing it. And I came across this, I don't know if it's a blog or what, but it's the, it's called followerbyfaith.com. Um, five stages of grief with scripture. And she writes out the different stages, which of course, I think we all know the first stage of grief is denial. 
Um, the dictionary defines denial as the action of declaring something to be untrue. Often when we lose a loved one, especially suddenly, we often face denial or a diagnosis like it was for me. We face denial. We feel like it can't be true. Fearing that if we accept it, it makes it real. Regardless if we accept it or stand denial, it is real. Once we accept it's real is usually when the anger stage of grief sets in. Um, I don't know that I went through necessarily the anger stage simply because this is not my first rodeo when it comes to my health. It is for cancer, but not for my health. And so I don't know that I was really angry about it. Um, I know that when my best friend died when I was 11 and he was 11, I was angry. And I definitely went through the stage where we're so mad at God, the world and at God and wondering why he would let this happen. Um, it's so easy for us to accept God, that he's good during the good times. But we want someone to blame. And typically it's God when... We have bad times. The reality is that Adonai is good all the time, despite the circumstances that we are going through in our lives. And as long as we have free will on this earth, we will have evil things because evil comes with choice. The next step, of course, is bargaining. Um, amid the anger and the turmoil, we can often beg God to take um, this pain from us or, you know, like... I can totally imagine my husband saying, God, please take me instead of my, my wife, because I know that he does love me that much. Um, you know, or saying, Lord, if you heal me of this, you know, I'll do whatever you say for the rest of my life. And, you know, we'll, we'll give up bad habits, uh, or anything in hopes that Adam and I will accept our offer and hope that it will take away our pain. And then this is, uh, the one that I feel like a lot of people stop at and it's really hard for them to get through or past. Um, but once we've bargained everything that we've, we've got to offer, that's when our depression sets in knowing that there's nothing we can do to bring our loved ones back. There's nothing we could do about the, the diagnosis that we've been given and almost all people struggling through grief experience depression. And like I said, the stage may last longer for, for, some more than others. And it's okay if it takes you longer to come out of your depression than others, because God made us each unique and different. And it's okay to not be okay. I definitely want to state that again. It's okay to not be okay. And then there's acceptance. And once we start to come out of the darkness of our depression, we begin to accept reality. We accept that they're, that our loved ones are gone. Or our diagnosis is real. And that no amount of anger, bargaining, or anything else we can do will change that. It's the dawn of a new day, and we need to move on with our lives. And that's a lot easier said than done a lot of the time. You know, especially when you're, you know, a long time, I couldn't understand why the world kept turning after my best friend died. Like, why wasn't everybody else sad? Why wasn't it raining every day? You know, I was also 11, but, it, you know, so it was a little bit harder for me to wrap my brain around. But even now, you know, it's kind of hard. It's like, Lord, like, I really want to be in the moment. And I acknowledge that you're good and that all that you've created is good. But this right now I'm kind of struggling with. And I think that it's really 
healthy to have those kind of conversations, not only with that and I, but with those who you surround yourself with that love you and, and that you feel safe talking to about that kind of thing. It's important to know that Adonai has your back. You have to be patient and allow yourself to heal. You don't set your pace based on how other people grieve. Because one day you'll wake up and the sun will feel warmer and the breeze will smell sweeter and a feeling of unexplainable peace will come over you. And at that moment, you'll know that God has got you. He's always had you and you'll realize how to live again. But, you know, I'd also, I'd also tell you that grief comes in waves. I was grieving over my best friend in waves. And sometimes it was just a yearly thing. It was a monthly thing. It was a weekly thing. It was a daily thing, just depending on how it was going. But I, I grieved over him for years. almost eight or nine years where it truly affected my life and the choices that I made. And even now when I, I look back and I think on him, I still am sad and I still am grieved that he's not here with me, but I'm also glad because I know where he's at. And I think the same is true. Even when it comes to all the health things that I'm dealing with, And this, you know, new diagnosis of skin cancer, which for all intents and purposes, sounds like it's actually not that serious, even if they are cutting out a portion of my skin. Um, I know that God's got me. I believe he is who he says he is, and I have faith that he is who he says he is. And I believe that he will heal me in his time. Not my timing, but in his timing, you know? Matthew 6, 32 to 33, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. It's important in these situations to remember things will be different, but different isn't always bad. Sometimes loss and grief triggers change that propels you in a direction you wouldn't have normally taken. You will be pushed out of your comfort zone. So don't be surprised if you feel uncomfortable for a little while. Let this influence you to to be better, do better, and appreciate things and people you may have taken for granted before. Matthew 6, 27. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? No. No matter where you are ahead in life or struggling through, it's important to not get lost in yourself. Don't allow yourself to get trapped in a negative mindset. Living in a state of constant worry cannot add a single moment to your life. Matthew 6, 34. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Today's trouble is enough for today. When going through grief, it's important to not worry about tomorrow. Take things day by day and moment by moment. You will get through this a moment at a time. Don't focus too much on the future and what you will do. For right now, just focus on how to get through the day. And that's something that I learned throughout my years of counseling for anxiety. A lot of times we tend to, at least those of us who struggle with anxiety, see the big picture and or go to the worst case scenario in every single scenario, which is not a good thing. And a lot of times these scenarios are not a day-to-day basis. It's like, you know, 10, 5, you know, 50 years down the road. <laughs> like, what will my life be like? Um, 
And I think it's important for us to not do that. The the key, at least my, my counselor tried to make me do is like, look, if you need to focus on minute by minute, focus on that. Eventually start, you know, branching out a little bit where you're able to, in a healthy way, focus on your day to day and then maybe your week by week and then your month by month. But it, it took me years to be able to even get to that point where I would not get anxious about it. Remember that Adonai is near to the broken hearted. It says in the word of God, in the Bible, that the Lord hears your prayer for mercy. Don't let your prayer life take the back seat during struggles and grief. Adonai is near to the broken hearted. He hears your prayers and he is with you through this. Keep praying and meditating in his word daily. You might not have the strength to go on during this, but Adonai does. Draw on his strength and peace. You will have a feeling of supernatural peace and calmness if you are getting your strength from him. Adonai blesses those who mourn. So if you've lost someone, in Romans it says God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. As long as you love God and are continuing to seek him and his kingdom first, no matter what bad the enemy throws your way, God will turn it to good good and use it for his glory. It says God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. Allow tonight to be your rock and your comfort during this time. People can only do so much to be there for you during your hard times. Adonai is a never-ending source of love, peace, and fulfillment. Don't set expectations on of how you think he will help you get through this. God will come through in the way that you need, but not always the way that you would expect. Keep God as your anchor at all times, but especially during times of grief and pain. Don't fall victim to temporary comforts of the world, such as drugs, toxic relationships, or other distractions. The comforts of the world are temporary and will lead to destruction. Remember whose you are and honor that. I really just want to enforce that no matter what it is that you go through, even if it's to the stages of grief, you know that that's, you know, there's, there's hope at the end of the tunnel. There's light at the end of the tunnel, right? That God will see you through it, even though it's painful in the moment. Matthew 6, 32 to 33. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he'll give you everything you need. I just felt like I needed to repeat that for somebody. Psalm 116, 15. The Lord cares deeply when his loved ones die. Proverbs 16, 9. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. I want you to remember that it's okay to not be okay. But it's just not okay to stay there. The other uh, last thing I wanted to read to you is in actually 1 Peter 1, verse 4. To 8, I believe. I read from the Tree of Life version, so if you'd like to read along with me, feel free. An incorruptible, undefiled, and unfading inheritance has been reserved in heaven for you. 
by trusting you are being protected by God's power for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this greatly, even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. These trials are so that the true metal of your faith, far more valuable than gold, which perishes though refined by fire, may come to light in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Messiah Yeshua. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you trust him and are filled with a joy that is glorious beyond words. You know, I share these things about my life so that you know that I'm not just, I don't know, talking the talk and not walking the walk. I go through a lot of really difficult things in my life, just like you do. I mean, shoot, on top of that, my husband's car decided to die. Not die, but we had to tow it to the uh, mechanic. It turns out it's burning oil. So we were down to one vehicle for my husband to take me to work, take the kids to school, take my daughter to um, work as well, and pick me up from work. And I'm so grateful for my husband and for my kids because they've been really helpful during this time. In fact, yesterday, I didn't even want to... uh, go to my happy place, which is the beach. And it's about 30 minutes away, 30, 45 minutes away. And my daughter who loves the beach probably more than I do at this point, actually really wanted to go. And she was actually the only one. And she kept really wanted to go, really wanted to go. And I was like, you know what? This is a really good opportunity to spend time with her. But because of the week I had, I just wanted to do nothing yesterday. I wanted to just rest. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to suck it up. I'm going to go. I went with her, you know, she encouraged me to get in the water. I was wearing, you know, earplugs, obviously, because, you know, I've got ear issues, but we had a really good time. And not only did I get to spend time with my my daughter, but I also got to go to my happy place, which is absurd that I don't want to go because I love the beach. I love going there. But it was so good for not only for my relationship with my daughter, but also just for my soul, you know, to my spirit, to being able to see God's creation in all this majesty. So I encourage you, if you have a happy place or something like that, and you are going through maybe the stages of grief, that might be a good place for you to go and be for a little bit and just talk with him. Talk without an eye. Spend time with your creator. Now, as I do every single week, I leave you with the ironic benediction, which you can find in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. <laughs> And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Bashem Yeshua Sashalom in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace, we pray. Amen. May you have a blessed week. Keep me in prayer since I'm going to be going into surgery this uh, upcoming Friday. But I am believing that God is good and he's got me. Shavua Tov. Please feel free to message me at MessyMessianicMama.com or you can email me at ELMMM3 at ProtonMail.com. That's E as in Echo. L as in lemur, M as in Mike, M as in Mike, M as in Mike, the number three at protonmail.com. Also feel free to leave me a one-minute voicemail message at anchor 
anchor.fm forward slash Erica LaCasse. There's a button on my Anchor website that says leave a voicemail. Thank you so much. And remember to leave all messages short and sweet and to the point. And I look forward to hearing from each and every one of you.